Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. We're talking about without a paddle and how does it, how, what does it look like to navigate this life with, you know, navigate the waters of this life without a paddle and and we all need to have a get a grip. We all need to get a grip on some things. We all need to get a handle on some things so that we can navigate through this life the way it is. Because if we don't, if you're, if you're in a canoe or in a kayak, if you don't have a paddle, the chances are you're just going to drift away. And you're not going to have any control. And you're going to find yourself at a place where you're like my wife and I and uh, my sister and brother-in-law found themselves where our, our kayak or canoe was completely buried in, into the river. And there was no uh, you know, way of pulling that out of the river. And it just made for a, uh, a bad day, as you can imagine. So we, we want to be able to get a handle on some things. We looked at some things over the last few weeks. We looked at um, what does it mean for us practically, like in the physical world. There's just things that work the way that they work. Gravity works the way that it works. Motion works the way that it works. Thermodynamics work the way that they work. Aerodynamics work the way that they work. There's no really rhyme or reason for that we can always even understand, but they just they, that's the way that they work. Well, there's some spiritual laws that work that way too. Uh, so we, we said, we came around sort of these, kind of these three statements. Um, we said that um, opinion cannot overrule a law. So it doesn't really matter what your opinion is on some things or uh, what you think about some things or what you believe about some things or what somebody told you about some things. Opinion cannot overrule a law. It's just they work the way that they work and it doesn't really sometimes matter what your belief is or your opinion is or what you think. Another one we said is one law can override another law, just like, you know, the law of aerodynamics can override the laws of gravity. And, and, uh, and we looked at from a spiritual sense that, you know, that the law of sin and death can be overridden by, you know, the, the, the law of love and grace and, and forgiveness as that was extended to every single one of us. And so that's good news for us that one law can override another law. And then we said this, the third thing is opposition is the reaction with every action. Opposition is the reaction with every action. And so uh, we said, you know, faith for, for us, for faith, uh, yeah, you, we put our faith in Jesus. We, you know, for God so loved the world, uh, you know, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, put our faith in him, will not perish, will have eternal life. That's, that is a fact. But James would say, okay, well, let's, if you say you have faith, well, show me your faith. You, should, your faith should be should be actionable, and 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 here's what we know: if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian a long time, or you know, or, or here's what you need to know: if you're exploring Christianity, that there's there is a, a spiritual warfare that takes place. There is a spiritual battle that takes place, and that and that any time that we take an action for God, there there is going to be opposition that is going to come our way. We're, we are going to experience challenges. It's not just going to be all smooth sailing the whole way through. As a matter of fact, sometimes God doesn't really allow that or want that for us. It's because why? Because that strengthens our faith. It strengthens our, our trust in him. And so um, we, we, whether your, whatever your opinion is or uh, and the good news is that one law can override another, but you need also know that opposition is the reaction with every single action that we take, especially for God. There's going to be something that's going to hinder it. There's going to be some obstacle. There's going to be some challenges. It's not going to be always smooth sailing like we wish it was. It's just not the, the, what, how it works here uh, in, our, in our time on this planet. So 
uh, Galatians, Paul's writing this letter to this little church in Galatia, and he's writing this letter, and he's, he's giving them another uh, law that is important for us, a spiritual law that is important for us to realize, and this is probably, maybe when we think about spiritual laws, it's probably the one of the most important ones, but when we, before we get there, here's the way that he starts it in Galatians 6, 7. Here's the way that he starts it. No, go back, go back, go back. Uh, he says this, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Now, I don't know if you would, can come to a place where you can admit this or not, but we can be sometimes easily deceived. We can be easily deceived. I'm not just talking about like what the enemy wants to do. He does. He'll, he'll, he'll create some, some scenarios in your life of, of deception and, and we'll sometimes fall for those, those traps. But even in ordinary, regular life, we're, we're easily deceived. I don't mean to offend anybody. I know that I, that is also true for me. For example, uh, first area maybe we're easily deceived is when it comes to our, our senses, and some of the psychological things that we it take place and some things in life that happened from a, from a practical standpoint or a natural standpoint or a physical law standpoint, there's just some, our senses are sometimes uh, deceived. You, there's illusions that, that take place. For example, uh, maybe one that you've seen before, what, what do you see? What do you see? Do you see a, a duck or do you see a bunny? You see both, right? You've seen this a hundred times, so imagine this was the first time you saw it. No. Um, you see both, right? But you can also make the, you're like, well, that's a bunny. No, that's a duck. No, it's a bunny. It's a duck. It's like we can't even agree on what it is, right? Is it a, du is it a duck or is it a bunny, right? Or, so maybe, I don't know, maybe this is something that you've seen before or not seen before. I'm not really sure. But if you stare at it, look at it, look at it staring at it. What does it look like it's doing? It looks like it's moving, but it's not. It's not a motion graphic. It's just a, it's just an image. And so our, our senses, as you're looking at this, you can kind of see it kind of waving around, right? You can kind of see it. But it, it's, not a, it's not a motion graphic. It's just a still, a still graphic. So sometimes our senses can deceive us. Even though we think it's moving, it's actually not. Another one, another example of this, just because we're having so much fun. <laughs> Do you see, anybody see black dots? Do you see black dots? There's no black dots there. Are you seeing black dots? Oh, you're not? Maybe I should have tested these before I started, but. I know, it's hard. You maybe have to look up there. Yeah, look up there. You can look up there. You can see to see some of the black dots. There's no black dots, even though there's some of them flashing in and out, flashing in and out. Sometimes you do illustrations that distract from the message and then it gets side conversation. No. Uh, oftentimes we get fooled, we get deceived by see things that we think we see but we actually don't see so sometimes even our senses deceive us our minds can deceive us our minds can can deceive us we there's something that we we're probably all familiar with is there's there's something that a phrase or term that's called cognitive biases cognitive biases and there's lots of different cognitive biases, right? There's, you know, there's affirmation biases. In other words, what, what that means is, is that, you know, we believe something or we have an ideal about something. And then we, we whether knowingly or unknowingly, you know, are drawn to, we're drawn to the things that only affirm what we personally believe or what we personally think. 
And so, you know, we, there's a lot, you know, so, so some will say, like, you know, coffee is good for you. And then some will say coffee isn't good for you. And so what you're going to do is if you like coffee, you're going to be drawn to the people that say that coffee is good for you. You're only going to listen to the people that say that coffee is good for you. And the people are giving you facts about how coffee isn't good for you. You're sort of just ignoring that. I don't want, it. I don't want that. I don't want that information. I'm only wanting what affirms what I like, what I like. And there's all sorts of different biases. You know, there's uh, optimistic biases. There's optimistic biases. In other words, you know, that's why, you know, if, you have a, if you're a fan of a favorite sports team, you know, and you, you, that, you know, the season they, they were last place, you know, and then the next season comes and you're excited about the next season, even though there's no, you know, real change that's going to happen with your team, you're, you're still, you know, excited. You know, like, for example, uh, last week, um, you know, the Tigers, they're, they're, not, they're doing okay. They're doing fine. I'm, I, I like going to watch baseball, especially when the Tigers were good. But for the last few years, the, the Tigers haven't been all that great, you know. And it's kind of like, oh, man, I mean, I just wish, you know, I, we could turn on a Tigers game. And we kind of knew that they were going to win. And then last week, so I'm like kind of complaining about the Tigers a little bit last week. And then some guy says, hey, I can get some Tiger tickets. Do you want to go? I was like, Yeah. It was it's just this optimistic you know, bias that I was like, yeah, this sounds good. Like, yeah, I, th- I think that they can turn it around. Or we, you know, so we have these, all these different you know, biases, and there's all sorts of different types of them where we can be deceived. We can be deceived. Some things can be affirmed, and we feel optimistic about other things, and, and so on and so forth. Did you, know, did you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but our hearts, our hearts can be deceived. Our hearts can be deceived. And if you've been around me long enough, you, you've heard me say this before. I say, I say this a lot, and, and I should probably get a T-shirt made up of it or whatever the case is because I say it uh, so much. But he, he, maybe you can fill in the blank, right? Don't blank your hearts. Don't what? Don't what? Don't trust your hearts or, or, or don't follow your hearts, right? And I think there's even t-shirts that say the other, other direction, like follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. Bad idea. Bad idea. Because actually the scripture teaches, you know, in Jeremiah, that our hearts are deceptive. Our hearts are wicked and beyond cure. It's, it talks about how our hearts are. And so if we're allowing our feelings or our emotions to dictate, come on, come on. You, you know this to be true. How many of you have ever, like, dated somebody or gone on a date and you're thinking this is it this is the one this is the one and then like you know date number two you're like I can't wait to get out of this thing (laughs) it's because we think we're like in in the moment things emotions and feelings take place but then after a while you're like what was I thinking what was I thinking because sometimes we get deceived our own hearts deceive us you know, and, and, and another things that deceive us is things like our, our words, words, that, that we get information from communication and that's how we get it. But also you can also, and, and I have also gotten, you know, in my time in this life and you have too, that we get misinformation, misinformation and words and what, how people communicate, what people say, those can be deceiving. 
So we got our, we got our senses and we got you know, our, our minds and we got our hearts and we got our words. And the, these things can so easily deceive us into believing something is true when it isn't at all. An example of this, so, so today is the 77th anniversary of what? Who can tell me in the room or write it in the chat? Of what? D-Day, yes. Today is the 77th anniversary of D-Day, right? And so um, interesting, interesting about that was um, is what led up to D-Day, what led up to D-Day, and I'm going to try to do the best I can to articulate um, what, what led up to, uh, you know, the, us, you know, or, or, or the allies gaining, you know, and uh, victory uh, over, over the German Nazis and, 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 having, and having this incredible victory on the Battle of Normandy and, 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 and what, we, what we have learned or heard in, in history classes. But did you know that leading up to that, that the Allies started creating different deceptions so that the Germans would be thrown off thinking that there was going to be attack in one area or another in another area. And so they went as far as hiring, they went as far as the allies, they went as far as hiring carpenters, actors, artists, and, you know, uh, you know technicians and engineers to orchestrate a, a ruse, a facade, what they called it a, you know, an atmosphere of illusion to get the enemy to believe that something else was happening over here when all the while they were planning an attack there. And they actually went as far as creating, building, you know, tanks that were like balloons. They built tanks that were like balloons. They built uh, planes that were, you know, were, were, were just as, you know, that were, you know, like balloons. And they built artillery and they built all these different things that were not real at all, but they positioned these things in another area so that the Nazis would believe that that's what was happening, that's what was going. They actually would have uh, actors dressed up as like high-ranking officers, you know, in and around little small towns in France to, to have conversations knowing that there was German spies that would hear about these tactical, you know, plans or, you know, approaches to what was going to happen in order to throw them off. So these German spies would hear these false things that were happening by actors. These, not, these were not like real soldiers. These were actors who were pretending to create a diversion. And it worked. It worked. You should, you should read about it. You should you know, watch a YouTube clip on it. It's, it's so fascinating what they did to create deception so that ultimately what happened was is that we would have the victory at, at Normandy. And so while that was happening, and by the time they figured it out, they were in a, a, a bind. The Germans were in a bind because Hitler was notorious for sleeping in. Hitler would stay up late, watch movies, just like your teenager, and he would sleep in. Well, by the time they, fe- they found out that they were being tricked, that, that the, there was going to be you know, an attack over here, yet the, the real attack and the real plan was going to be at Normandy, that they 
they had to, and, and Hitler set it up to where he had to be the one that determined, you know, where his troops were going to be re repositioned or restationed. But they, because he was asleep and because they were afraid to wake him up, there was nothing they could do about it. Aren't you glad that Hitler wasn't a morning person? You see, even Hitler, just like us, are easily deceived. But here's what he says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, God cannot be deceived. God, all of us can. And if we're honest, we all probably had our moments where we got fooled and we were deceived and our senses played tricks on us and our minds got us to believe something that wasn't true. We fouled our hearts with something that we should never have fouled our hearts with. Words were communicated or miscommunicated and we were given false information about this or that. All of us can be deceived, but God, he can't be deceived. He cannot be deceived. As a matter of fact, God will not be mocked and God cannot be deceived. And the Hebrews writer wrote it this way. Here's what he says. And he says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must answer. You see, we can live our lives thinking that we can hide from God or trick God or, or, or live a life the way that we want to live a life or do the things that we want to do. And we think, you know, well, just like I'm deceived or just like Hitler was deceived, I, I'll, you know, God will, will be deceived. That God isn't paying attention. That God is too busy or God has enough on his plate or God isn't concerned about what I'm doing. But that's not true at all. There is no creature hidden from his sight. No creature hidden from his sight. All things are open and laid bare to his eyes. And we will give an account to that. As a matter of fact, we looked at this verse last week. Remember this verse last week talking about, you know, the, a church or being lukewarm, right? He says, he, remember, he says, I, I know your deeds. I, I know your deeds. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot, right? Remember we looked at that? It's like this statement. We're like, wow. Like God's like, I don't, I don't even want you to be, you know, cold, cold, you know, nor hot. I don't even want you. It's like just you either be cold or you be hot, but don't be nor, be or. Be, don't be nor, be or. Like that, that's what God says. I know your deeds. I know what you're, I know what, you, I see what you're, you're doing. I'm in tune to it. Just, and, and you've been, in some, in some areas, you've been deceived. You've been deceived relationally. You've been deceived financially. You've been, been deceived when it comes to your, your health decision. You've been, you, all of us have been deceived in one way or another, but here's who cannot be deceived. God will not, cannot be deceived. He will not be mocked. And God's going, I, I, I see your deeds. I see what's going on. I see what's happening. And then he gives the statement I think is an important law for all of us. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this 
he will also reap. Jesus, this is the law of the harvest. You've heard this before. You've been in church before. This is how this works as a farmer. I know there's maybe not a lot of farmers in here, but you know how it works. You've done enough gardening to know how it works. And he's saying to us, God will not be deceived, but here's what you need to know. You need to remember. He says, we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. So if you're sowing into, you know, anger, if you're sowing into, you know, unforgiveness, if you're, you know, sowing into, you know, uh, worry, if you're, if you're sowing into greed or whatever, the, the thing that you're sowing into, you're going you're gonna to reap. You're going to reap that. You're going to reap that. And you, I don't need to tell you this. We know this, but we need to know that whatever we sow into, that's what we are going to reap. We reap in kind to what we sow, right? We reap in kind to what we sow. In other words, when you sow an, an apple seed, you're going to expect to get what? <laughs> Apples, right? When you sow into whatever it is, fruit or vegetable that you sow into the soil, that's what you're going to get. You're going to reap in kind to what you sow. And we know this as parents, right? We know this as grandparents. Remember, remember uh, the time or, um, when you said to yourself, I'm never going to do that to my kids, or I'm never going to say those things to my kids, right? Right? And my, my, my dad has a thing, like I, maybe you've picked it up, or maybe you probably haven't, but it, my dad has a thing, um, and he's not here to defend himself, so that's why I'm going to share it. Um, <laughs> Where I know, I know when my dad's getting ready to say something. Here's how I know my dad's getting ready to say something. He clears his throat. <clears throat> at that point, at the, my sister's cracking up because she knows. <clears throat> and then, and then you're, I'm like, so then I sit up and wait for it, whatever it is. Wait for whatever it is. And now, you know what I find myself doing sometimes? <clears throat> Waiting to talk to my kids. And even on some occasions, I hear my kids go, <clears throat> right? When we, in our house, when we get frustrated, um, and my kids mock me for it, but they're going to say it. They're going to say it. Why? Because we reap in kind to what we sow. They're going to say it one day. And when we get frustrated in my, in, in my house, I'll say something that I've heard my mom say and my dad say before, and that is the statement, doggone it. First of all, I don't even know what a doggone it is. I don't know what a doggone it is. I even think I've heard my Aunt Debbie say doggone it. So I think it comes from my mom and, and her, her side of the family. I, I don't even know what a doggone it is. I hope it's not a bad thing, so don't Google it, because I don't know. I don't know. But I'll say, and my kids will go, what's a doggone it? And they'll laugh. Or I'll say, oh, gee whiz, gee whiz. Anybody say gee whiz? Anybody, anybody say doggone it? Okay, some of you, all right, it's a dog. It's all right, all right. So 
what, are, what is it? We, re, we, we reap in kind to what we sow. And so when I was growing up, I just heard these statements or these phrases. Like, it drives my wife nuts. It drives her crazy because I can't not clean up something. You know where I get that from? I get that from my mom. Like, I can't, like, I can't not wipe a table down or sweep a floor or vacuum a room. You think that that sounds like a good thing. It's annoying. It is annoying. Where do I get that from? I get that from my mom. You know, and, and, and I'll walk into my kid's room and I'll say, like, you know, what did a tornado rip through here? And then I'll be reminded about what my mom said, right? Why? Because we reap in kind to what we sow. And when we instill these things or say these things within our own family dynamics, that's ultimately what we're producing. And so when you've said, I never would say that, or when you think your, or when your kids tell you, I'm never going to act that way, you can say, yes, you will. Yes, you will. Because we reap in kind to what we sow. And so when we sow into so Galatians says it this way. Here's what, here's what Paul says. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So, sow into the flesh, reap destruction. Or you can sow into the Spirit and then reap eternal life from the Spirit. Reap life. In the spirit. Right? Why? Because we reap in kind to what we have sown. So reap things from the spirit so that you can have life in this life that you've never experienced or had before. It's amazing. But if we keep sowing into the things of this flesh like immorality and carnality and greed and worldly desires and passions and wanting to live for self and being, you know, you know, unforgiving all the time and, and selfish all the time. Like, it's going to destroy us. It's going to destroy you. And God's going, hey, don't be deceived. Like, you can't keep sowing into the things of this flesh. Like, you can't just keep thinking that you're going to just get away with it. Because ultimately, you're, you're, you're going to reap what you sow. Don't be deceived. God will not be deceived. You're not fooling him. He, will, he is not mocked. You're not fooling him. So sow into the spirit, he says. Sow into things, and we spend a whole year talking about it, Right? A whole year, 2020, we talked about sowing into the Spirit, sow into the Spirit, sow into the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, so on and so forth, right? Let's keep sowing into that. Another principle about sowing and reaping is we reap in time what we sow, right? We reap in time what we sow. So you may not, you may keep sowing into the things of this flesh and you're like, mm, nothing's really, actually things are going pretty good. Things are going fine. Everything, everything's all right. But you know, you're going to reap in time what you sow. It may not happen immediately, just like any gardening principle, right? It doesn't grow overnight. 
You don't plant, you know, what, tomatoes and then t tomatoes are there the next day. It doesn't work that way. We reap in time what we sow. And so even when we see people like going, you know, we know that we're like, man, they're just, they're living the, the, the life, man. They're like, they're having a blast. They're having a great time. And I'm trying to be a Christian. I'm trying to be a Jesus follower. And it doesn't really seem to be paying off for me all that well. And, and they're just living how they want to live and doing what they want to do. And it doesn't seem like there's any ramifications or consequences to that. You need to know something. We're going to reap in time what you sow. They're going to reap in time what they sow, and so are you. It's a law of the harvest. It's a law of the harvest. And we need to know there's a, 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 an Andy Stanley quote that I like. He talks about the law of direction or the law of the path. And he says, direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, de determines destination. And what he means by that is that anytime you set a course or anytime you set a direction, whether you were intended to do somewhere else or go somewhere else, it doesn't matter. Your direction determines where your destination is. Your direction determines your destination. I've shared with you before, I was um, invited to do a wedding in um, New Jersey, right outside of New York City. And it was the first time I've been in that area, and so I'm flying in, and I'm flying over into the airport, and I'm looking down, and I'm seeing New York City. I'm like, well, that looks fun. Maybe I'll go check that out. And so I get off the plane by myself, go and rent, rent my car, pick up my car, and I had a few hours before I had to be at the wedding rehearsal, and I decided that for the first time by myself, I'm going to drive into New York City. How easily deceived I was. And this was before, like, you know, when we had our, you know, iPhones with uh, maps, and this was before all of that stuff. I had a cell phone, but I didn't have maps on my phone, and, it, and, and uh, you know, I, not, no, I had nothing. I had nothing. So I'm thinking, I'm just going to drive around town and figure out how to get back onto this bridge, right? Like, so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. And I started a direction, and my intentions were, I'm just going to go around and I'm going to just see different things, cool things in New York City. I'm just going to check things out. You know, and I, 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 that was a direction, but, I did, but when I found myself, I found myself, I don't even know where I was. I found myself completely lost, completely lost. And I didn't know how to get back to where I needed to go to. I had no map. I had no direction. I was completely lost. So what did I do? I called my brother, and I called my brother, Eric. I said, Eric, here's where I'm at. I'm, he, where are you? I'm in New York City. These are the streets. He goes, why are you, why are you there? <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you there? And I was like, listen, I, just, I need you to get on your computer, and I need you to I mean, put in this, these cross streets in, in New York City, and I need you to tell me how to get back to my hotel so I can close the blinds and get into a fetal position when I get back. <laughs> and so he did. I was on the phone with him. He, 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 he said, okay, you, you're coming up to the street, turn right. You're coming up to the street, turn left. And finally, I was able to get at, you know, where, I, where I needed to go. But I needed that direction. All of us need some direction, not just intention. Because direction, not intention, determines destination and in time we're just going to reap what we sow 
So today, today we are, today we are planting seeds for our tomorrows. Today, you are planting seeds for your tomorrow. What, what, do, you, what do you want to plant? What seed do you want to sow today? Do you want to sow the flesh? That's destruction. That's going to happen. In time, it will happen. You want to sow the spirit? That's life. And in time, you may not experience it now, but in time, you will experience a harvest, and you're going to be so glad you're going to be so glad you sowed into the spirit and not the flesh. Because here's a, a final principle. We reap more than what we sow. We reap more than even what we sow. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 13. He says, but the one sown with seed on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some 60, some 30 times as much. Jesus says, listen, you're, you're going you're gonna to sow and some are going to sow into and, and reap a harvest of and, and bear fruit of and it's going to produce some. Some is going to be a hundred and, and you're going to go, wow, that's amazing. They got a hundred, but man, I'm so glad I got 60. Or, or there's some are going to be 60 and you're like, I got 30. But ultimately the, the principle that Jesus is trying to teach us is, is that whatever you sow into, you're going to always, always, always reap more. So you can either sow into the things of the flesh and then you're going to ultimately reap destruction or you can sow into the things of the spirit and then you're going to reap so much of the spirit of God. It's going to overwhelm you. Your cup is going to overflow. You're going to experience the goodness and the grace and the kindness and compassion of God in your life if you've never experienced it before. God is going to use you in a mighty, powerful way like you've never been used before. Come on, everybody. God wants to fill you up and allow you to produce in you things that you never could produce on your own. And it's always, always more. Always more. Hosea said it this way. For they sow wind and they harvest a storm. They sow wind. Man, the storm is coming. The storm is coming. So Paul says this. Okay, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Here's what Paul tells us to do. He says, hey, first of all, don't be discouraged, or, or excuse me, don't be deceived. But then he tells us this, let us not become discouraged in doing good. Listen, keep doing good. Keep doing good for yourself. Keep doing good for others. Keep pouring in and investing in uh, the things of God, the kingdom of God, the work of God, the generosity of God. Keep, keep, keep doing good. Don't give up. He says, for in due time, it, it doesn't happen overnight, right? For in due time, we will reap. It's how it works. For in due time, we will reap. If we do not become weary, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up wanting to do good. Don't give up. Keep sowing into the spirit. Keep sowing into the things of God. Keep sowing into the kingdom of God because in due time you will reap and it will be more than what you even sowed into. And I'm telling you, that's the best place to be. But don't quit. Don't give up on it. So how do we do that practically? He says this. So then while we have opportunity, you have an opportunity, let's do good to all people. 
Let's just keep trying to do good to all people. What's our mission? We're to love people. We're going we're gonna to try to do good for all people. We want people in the community to know that we're just good people. And we just want to keep doing good to people. Because there are people that, that, that we know, we know. Here, here's our mission, a little, little secret. Don't tell anybody. But we just want them to know Jesus. I don't care if they know me. I don't care if they know you. I just want them to see Jesus. I want them to see the, the body of Christ come together, working together, forming together as the, as the body is meant to be. And Jesus is our head. And we're just wanting the world to know Jesus because he's the one that produces the fruit in us that we couldn't produce on our own. That leads to eternal life. So when you have opportunity to be the church, be the church. Keep doing good to all people. And especially, I love this, and especially to, the, to those who are of the household of faith. We should be loving each other. We should love each other like, like, like we're family because we are. We are. We're in this household together. Let's love each other. Let's forgive each other. Let's put away resentment. Let's put our, our biases to, us, to the side. Let's put our ideals away and say, listen, listen, it's not about our, my biases or not about what I think or what I feel is best or what you know, affirmation I'm getting or confirmation that I'm getting or emotional that I'm feeling. It's not about that. It's about the kingdom. It's about people knowing Jesus. It's not about your issue or my issue. It's about him. It's about him. So let's keep doing good. Let's not quit. Let's keep going. Let's keep running this race with endurance. The race that was set before us. And one day, one day, we'll run into glory and then we'll sit down. But until then, let's keep running and loving and doing good to all people. That's sowing seeds. Don't be deceived. Don't get discouraged. Let's pray. Father, hmm, the spiritual law of the harvest, and we know it, Sometimes we're deceived in thinking that it doesn't apply to us. But yet every day we're sowing into something. Every day we're sowing into something. And our tomorrows are going to be affected by it. I'm so glad, God, that you, um, every day is, an, is a new day of opportunity to begin planting new seeds, seeds of your spirit, doing good, loving, showing kindness, being patient, having a joy that is that the world looks at and goes, how do you, how do you have joy in those circumstances? God, that's, those are just us sowing seeds to all people, doing good to all people. But especially the church, each other, brothers and sisters, part of this family, in this household. God, we just, we should just love each other no matter what, no matter what, unconditionally. We're with each other. And so God, I just pray, Lord, that um, as we, today, right, today, right here, right now, we start 
we start just sowing the seed of taking every opportunity we can to do good. We just we start sowing that seed today, today, today. All of us in this room. Not for our glory, not for the name of Marcus Street Church, but for your name, your name. Because it's in your name that is above every other name. And it is in your name that every knee, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that you are Lord. It is in your name that all of us are going to give an account because you are looking, you are seeing what we're sowing into, God. So, Father, I just pray that we sow into, into good things, good things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.